welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Jill, started out as a graphic designer, worked in corporate jobs for over 20 years before turning to freelance design work. In her corporate life, she worked for Anchor Bay Entertainment, an entertainment studio that released movies and TV shows on DVD and Blu-ray. She designed covers for titles such as Heather's Spartacus the TV series, Thomas the Tank Engine, Weight Watchers fitness DVDs, and much more. In 2018, Jill was ready for a new challenge, which led her to earn her certification in dog massage and opened Radiant Paws. Dogs have always been her passion and fills her with joy every day to bring relaxation and comfort to dogs of all shapes, sizes, and breeds. When she's not massaging dogs, she enjoys writing, traveling, and cosplaying. Jill, thank you so much for agreeing to the podcast. How are we doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. When you sent me over your bio, I did not know you were into cosplaying, but (laughs) for those that you can't see video, she's got about, I don't know, five different wigs in the background. There's more than that. They're out of the screen too. So that's why I had to throw that in there because everybody, when they see that, they ask, they're like, what are those wigs for? I love it. I'm so about it. So because you are so unique, and when we met, I think it was a few months ago, I was like, dog massage. I never had heard of this. Yeah. So most people haven't. Yes. We're going to get to that later on. But I want to throw it way back. What did you want to be when you grew up? Or what was you kind of like your childhood like? Or what were your aspirations when you were little? Well, ironically, when I was little, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So like my earliest memories are the night before I picked out my dog and the day I picked out my dog and I was like four years old. So like dogs have always been like this huge part of my life. So like super early on, I wanted to work with them. But then when I got a little bit older, I discovered that I could draw and paint and kind of went that route instead, which is how I got into the graphic design. But now it's coming back full circle and I'm working with dogs now. I love that. What age were you or do you remember how old you are were when you kind of discovered you had this knack for drawing and being creative? I was probably maybe five or six. It was pretty young. Oh, you were young. Yeah. My dad is super creative too. So like it's in the family. So it's like probably my mom very early on just gave us all pads of paper and was like, all right, who's got it? <laughs> who's got the talent in this family? Let's see it. <laughs> so transitioning, you know, you get into high school, become a teenager and everything. Is that where you kind of found this passion for graphic design or how old were you when you discovered what graphic design was? Yeah, I was definitely in high school. It was when I was looking into colleges and what I was going to do for the rest of my life. At that point, I was fully set on doing something with the drawing and the painting. And my parents were fully supportive, but they're like, you're not allowed to be a starving artist. So you got to find a way to make a living doing it. And my high school actually partnered with a vocational school. And one of the classes they offered was advertising design. So my senior year of high school, I spent the entire afternoon in this one class every single day. So it was like dropping me in head first on what it would be like to do graphic design. And I liked it. So that's when I I went to Western specifically for design and got my degree in that. And I know I'm one of the rare birds that like went to school for something, got the degree in it and actually did it for a long time. (laughs) Hey, but you're changing it up now. So I am. I still do the design too. But yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Right. Now, first of all, how incredible you had supportive parents because I feel like a lot of creative individuals just don't find that passion until they work their corporate job. And they're like, wow, I hate this. I need to do something that fulfills me. Definitely. What was that environment like kind of growing up in that of feeling that supportive? I know you said you have a lot of creatives in your family, but what was that like? Well, I had a drawing table in my bedroom, so they they were super supportive. And my parents paid for me to take private lessons with an artist for like six or seven years. So 
you know, you know, my sister did dance for a while and she did all kinds of other different sports and things like they were fully encouraging of us to just explore whatever we wanted. You know, they're like, all right, we'll sign you up for classes. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we'll try the next thing. So they were very, very supportive in that way. It was nice. That's incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. But I was also, I mean, I'm super introverted too. So like, I like to just spend time in my room and not see the rest of the world. So it was nice that they were supportive of that too. And be like, all right, well, go draw and paint and do the things you do. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You're like, thank you. Let me get away from people. So you get your degree. Now, what was kind of your first job in the workforce? And was it diving into this Anchor Bay Entertainment? Or what did you specifically do? And what was your career trajectory when you did get corporate? Um, I didn't expect to be in the corporate world. I, I fully expected when I was in college to end up working for a design studio, which a lot of times is 24-7. You know, they're working on the projects when they come in from start to finish, no matter how long it takes and working crazy hours and crazy schedules and crazy projects. So instead, I found a corporate job. So like my very first, I had a couple of print shop jobs right out of college, but my first actual design job was for a company called Newell Window Furnishings that manufactured blinds and drapes and you know, super boring things like, but necessary things like that. And my job was to design packaging and displays for them. So that kind of introduced me to that more corporate environment where, you know, you don't have to work for a design studio, you could work in a design department for a corporation and do the same kind of thing, but maintain the corporate hours and not have to work the crazy, you know, 24 seven kind of stuff. So I worked there for a while. I had a job that brought me to Detroit that didn't last very long. And then that's when I started at Anchor Bay in 2001. Where are you originally from? I'm from here, but I'm from Detroit. And then I went to school in Kalamazoo, got married. My first husband got a job that moved us to Illinois. So that's where I had the Newell job. And then when I got divorced, I moved back here. (laughs) Hey, we love it. Welcome back. We would not have met if you did not move back. So (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Now, going back to, you know, you're 18 years old, you're just, well, first of all, love that you figured out what you wanted to do with the rest of your life at 18 years old. And I know we're transitioning a little bit here, but you're still creative and it's still a creative field. But what would be a piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self if you could go back and talk to her? I would tell her not to do what everybody else says and listen to your gut instinct. What was that gut instinct? Probably not to do graphic design. It would probably have been some other kind of illustration or, I don't know, special effects. I like, I like doing the makeup stuff too. So it could have been something in that realm, you know, something like that. Just, But instead, I kind of went down this path of, okay, here's, I know what graphic design is. I know I can do it. So let's go this route. And it's so interesting because I feel like you don't right. fully understand how many job opportunities there are out there. I mean, I fell into a recruiting job and we had Microsoft as a client. I worked on their Halo team. So design like video, not I was not designing it. I was hiring people to design for, but I never thought about this. Like there's a visual artist that designs your little trees in your video game or someone that does makeup for movies. I mean, it's just so interesting. Did you know about all these career paths you had early on, like in high school? Wasn't aware of them. No, no. I, you know, I pretty much thought my choice were starving artist or graphic design. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's so it's it makes me so mad. Any creatives because it's like you're gonna starve. You can't do this. You can't do that. I have a client. He's an engineer by trade, but he's a DJ. He's an artist. Like he, I'm like you are corporate you and personal you. We need to mend the two. Like what? And it's just so interesting because you can make a lot of money as artists. Oh, for sure. 
Yes. And there's all kinds of different ways to do it, too. It's like way more than I ever imagined. And a lot more now than there was when I was in school. That's for sure. Yes, but it's so interesting. Of And now I, I look at any video game or anything I play. I'm like, oh, someone designed this. Like, look at the little tree, guys. Like, someone designed you. It's just so fascinating. And I love what I do because a lot of people just don't realize how many opportunities you have. Nor are you, I mean, if I wasn't in this field, I wouldn't know. Are you kidding me? So right. <laughs> it's so interesting. Now, fast forward, you did the corporate job. So 2017, you decided to do freelance work. Now, what went into your head at that time or what made you kind of say, I'm going to do my own thing now? Well, I kind of wasn't given the choice because Anchor Bay was owned by the Stars Channel and Lionsgate bought Stars in 2016. And Lionsgate already had a division that did the same thing Anchor Bay did. So they closed Anchor Bay. So at the end of 2016, I lost that job. And so did everybody else in my company. So at first, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, you know what? I know I can do freelance because I can reach out to every single person that just lost their job too and say, hey, the next place you go, if you need a designer, hook me, you know, let me know. And that's basically what I did. And so I just kind of fell into the freelance work a little bit. And then it was like, all right, do I go find another job or do you keep doing this? And I had a nice severance. So I, it wasn't in a hurry to find something. And my husband makes a very good living. So he was like, take your time, figure out what you want to do. So I just kept doing the freelance work because, you know, I like working from home <laughs> even way back then. And, you know, I like being able to set my own schedule and be my own boss and that kind of thing. So that part kind of worked out. And it's so interesting that you say you were kind of forced into it because I feel like you made that decision because you could have just went and got a corporate job. But how smart to reach out to every single person that was laid off because a lot of people don't do that when they're laid off. It's just like, oh, I'm on my own. I got to do my own thing. But that was very smart. Well, that's what I figured. I mean, they're all going into something new. It's like you never know what it's going to be and what they're going to need. So it's like, hey, a lot of the clients that I still have today are from those original connections. So you never know when how things are going to work out. <laughs> That's incredible. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Not that everything hasn't been all good, but how the heck did you say, hey, I'm going to get a certification in dog massage. I still don't honestly personally know this story, but what was the light bulb moment or what was going on in your head and what year were we talking? This is 2018. I think it was in the summer of 2018. I wasn't as busy as I needed or wanted to be, but I just didn't want to go find more clients. It was just, there was something in me that was just like, I just do not want to do this. I think I was burnt out. I was tired of the freelance work and I just didn't want to have to keep putting myself out there to get these jobs. So I was thinking that I needed something else. I wanted to use like a different part of my brain. And as I'm sure you know, it's very daunting to be like, okay, I'm skilled at this one thing and I'm good at it. And I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> so where do I even start? <laughs> so I had to narrow it down somehow. And it's like, all right, what am I passionate about? It's like, I'm passionate about dogs. I'm that crazy dog person. Anytime I see a dog, I want to pet them. And, you know, it doesn't matter to me what breed they are and if they're mean or not. I don't care. I want to pet them. And I've just always been obsessed with my own dogs and my friend's dogs and every other dog I see. So I was like, all right, well, let's see if we can do something with dogs. So I started researching what jobs are available with that. And, you know, we live in the metro Detroit area. There's a lot of dog walkers and pet sitters and groomers and pet stores and trainers and things like that. So it was like, you know, how do you break into something like this in my mid 40s, starting over, you know, not the youngest and most limber person on the block to be working with animals. 
So in my research, I found dog massage. And to be honest, before that, I didn't know it was a thing either. You know, most people are like, I've never heard of that. I'm like, well, you're not alone. Nobody has. (laughs) I looked into it and I found there was a, a school in Toledo, Ohio, which is only an hour away from where I live. And they offered the certification classes. They had a couple of different levels. They still do it. The place is called Pet Massage. They still do classes, but they've switched over to aquatic pet massage now. Um, But they still have all kinds of materials available for the dry massage. So I just decided to try it. I called up a lady that does it in Gross Point and went to the same school that I did and like just asked her questions like, tell me about this. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Is it worth doing? How do you like the class? And she spent like 45 minutes talking to me about the pros and cons and how much she loved it. And then I went and did the class and the class was part of it was hands-on. And then the rest of it was like an at-home learn at your own pace kind of thing and fell in love with it. It was like, you know, this is either going to be a hobby or this is going to be a job. And it's like, I 100% want this to be my job because this is amazing and I love it. So opened the business at the end of 2018 and I've been growing ever since. And I love that you actually did market research and reached out to someone. And especially that you're so introverted, as you mentioned, because that definitely, I'm sure, was outside your comfort zone. But Oh, for sure. It's just like, what better way to get market insight than hearing it from someone that actually does it? Right. And I've paid that forward. I've had a couple people reach out to me with the same kind of thing. And every time I'm like, all right, I will call you and I will talk you through it because someone did that for me. So it's a great thing to do. It's a great way to learn about real experience and the job you're interested in. Now, I want to talk through because every time I interact with you, whether it's one-on-one in a group setting, I learn something new about what dog massage is. So I want to give you the space to explain like what kind of benefits, what should some dog owners be looking for? What kind of dogs really benefit from it? Or if you could give us kind of like the 101 on it. Absolutely. So to answer your question in the simplest terms, every dog benefits from it. Dog massage is very similar to human massage in a lot of ways. It's one of those things where doing it regularly helps prevent problems. It helps prevent aches and pains from turning into more serious issues. Or if you already have the aches and pains, it helps to calm everything down and help the animal feel better. So dog massage and human massage are very much identical with one big key difference, and that is the level of touch. Because dogs don't understand hurt now, feel better later, like the deep tissue stuff. Because unfortunately, dogs and humans don't speak the same language. I can't tell a dog what to expect. All I can do is show them. So the level of touch is very gentle, especially at first, so that they have a chance to get used to what I'm doing and can see what I'm doing and understand it. So as far as like which dogs benefit, most of my clients are older dogs. And that I think makes the most sense for people as to why, because they have the arthritis and the aches and pains and the stiff joints and and the mobility issues. So massage helps their body to function better so that they can move better and reduces the pain that they're in. And it can slow down the progression of diseases like arthritis. But the massage also works for high energy and anxious dogs. A half hour massage will disperse the same kind of energy as a half hour walk. But with, you know, with me doing all the work and it helps a dog to really just kind of relax and let go. So the dogs that have too much energy or have stress and anxiety, just like humans, you know, the massage gives them a chance to set all that stuff down and just take a few deep breaths and reconnect with themselves and be like, okay, this is all good. This feels good. Let's keep doing this. Or surgery. It helps with that. It'll help speed up the healing process on any injuries. 
It's especially common in dogs that tear their ACL and have to go through that TPLO surgery, which is not fun. I've done it with my dogs. It's a three-month recovery process, and it's a lot of work. Massage can help speed that up and help keep their healthy limbs strong so that they don't injure their healthy leg when the bad one is healing, which is very common. Massage helps puppies. It helps them to develop correctly to help minimize any issues that happen down the line, especially with breeds like shepherds that are prone to hip dysplasia. Doing the dog massage early kind of sets them up better for life, you know, gives them a better fighting chance against that. But then even just perfectly healthy dogs, you know, regular massage on humans keeps us feeling good and prevents us from having problems. It's the same with dogs. I have clients that they have no health issues whatsoever. They're just happy, healthy dogs. And I still see them every other week. And the point of that is to keep them that way, you know, to pamper them for sure, to give them, you know, a great day that they're looking forward to, but also to push back any problems that they might be developing. So like if this dog was going to get arthritis at 10, maybe now he's not going to get it till 13. And so regular massage just helps prevent minor things from turning into serious ones and just helps them to relax and feel good. So that was probably more than the one second thing, but <laughs> it was- no, I want to hear it because it's so fascinating. I mean, relating it to human massage is just perfect because you should. And I know plenty of people that go once a month or every other month or whatever, and that's perfect explanation of it. Now, because I have a little anxious gal myself, and I'm so curious how you work with anxious dogs. Like my sweet Ruby is a rescue. She's very timid. She's come a very long way, but She's still like, I will go to you for sure, because ever since I, I need to, just to see how you would do it with her. But how do you handle like the really, really anxious dogs? By being very patient with them and taking my time. Now, what I do with the dog massage I do is different from physical therapy. I'm not making them do anything. I am following their lead. Everything I do is designed to relax them and calm them down. So just me coming into your house is going to make them anxious. And and I will say that with dogs with anxiety, it takes a little while for them to get the benefits. Old dogs, you see the relief right away. Anxious dogs, it usually takes a handful of sessions. And the reason for that is because I have to give them time to understand what it is that we're trying to do. You know, and again, I can't tell them. I can't say, just trust me, this is going to feel good. And, you know, and if they're anxious and they have stranger danger and things like that, I have to, you know, start out really hands off. I do Reiki and energy work as part of my massage. And the nice thing about that is that I don't have to touch a dog to do that. I can start running energy on them from the minute I walk into the house. And that gives them a little bit of a buffer between, you know, their anxiety level and what I'm trying to do. You know, it kind of helps helps them to relax and calm down a little bit before I put my hands on them. And then when I put my hands on them, it's really gentle and really you know, really slow. And I'm watching their body language and their expressions to make sure, you know, that the really subtle signs that they give of discomfort, I back off and I take my time. So with anxiety dogs, it can take a couple sessions to really see the benefit because you have to go really slowly with them and just let them adjust to me before, you know, I'm not going to force them to do anything. Right. That's incredible. Now, do you have a favorite breed you work with or certain age of dog or certain demographic of dog that you like to work with best? Honestly, I do truly love all the dogs. I have yet to meet a dog that I'm like, oh my God, I hope I never see that one again. Um, (laughs) I know, but I will have to say that the old dogs are the sweetest because they're just, they get it right away. 
you know, any level of touch with them feels good. So they're like, oh my God, yes, please don't ever stop. So, you know, a lot of my old dogs, the minute I walk in the door, they're wagging their tail and, you know, prancing their feet and grinning and, you know, huge smiles on their face. They're so happy to see me. And the feeling is very much mutual, you know, so like it just melts my heart to see that a little bit. So they're for sure my favorite, but honestly, I love them all. And I've worked with shelter dogs. I work with a shelter called Bark Nation. They're local. They rescue dogs from animal cruelty and dog fighting scenarios, and they hold them as live evidence while the owners are taken to court, and they nurse them back to health and teach them how to be a dog. And it's really rewarding to work with these animals that come in scared and fearful and angry and see them transform into these healthy and happy dogs. And massage is one of the tools that can do that, which is amazing to see. It's amazing to see these animals that just are capable of so much love, you know? So my point of bringing that up is that a lot of those are the bully breeds and a lot of people are like, oh my God, do you handle those? I'm like, well, yes, they're wonderful dogs. <laughs> Ruby is a um, Sharpe Shepherd, but Titan is a pit bull and he is the biggest baby in the world. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I agree. Most of them are. <laughs> they are. Like Ruby's 45 pounds. Titan's almost double her weight. Like the keys around 80. And she's the one barking in his face. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Just love me. Like he's so dramatic. Oh, my gosh. Or especially with the snow. Oh, oh yeah. he goes outside for more than five minutes. He's like shaking at the door like a little chihuahua. I'm like, dude, Aww. come on. Big scary pit bull. Yeah. Right. I have the opposite. I have a Samoyed. So like in the snow, he's like, this is my element. Just leave me outside all day. <laughs> yeah. Ruby loves the snow, but not Titan. He's well, yeah. Sharpay, she'd have that double coat. So she'd be nice and warm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sheds everywhere, but she's nice and warm. We love her, though. So do you have to put coats on your on your dog to help keep him warm? I put little boots on her because her paws are really sensitive, but her coat, I mean, she could stay outside forever. Like she was chasing whatever in the backyard and she wouldn't come in and then she's like hopping up the stairs. I'm like, I told you, you need your boots on because <laughs> you get too cold. And then she's like limping and I have to like warm up her paws like she's a child. And yep. The things we do for our dogs. <laughs> exactly. Now... Something I also want to bring up because in the group you and I are both in, heard a story about one of your clients that happens to be a common friend of both of ours. Tell his story about how you transformed his dog's life. Now, if you feel comfortable telling that story or just like tell us more about how you are truly like giving dogs a second chance at life that our friend said he thought his dog was going, it was done for. But you could tell that story or just like a, what are some stories of, just like total 180s you've done for dogs. I'll tell that story because that like he he made me nearly cry in our meeting when he told me that because it was like he'd, he'd never told it to me like that before. This was our friend who has a big uh, Great Pyrenees dog. They had two of them and they lost one of them earlier this summer. And the second one is, I forget exactly how old it is. I think he's like 12 or 13. Like he's an, he's an old boy. And our friend took him to the groomer one day and... When he went to pick him up, the groomer said that the dog's name is Toby, that Toby couldn't walk. He couldn't stand on his own. And our friend thought that that was just because of the grooming stuff. And we went to pick him up. He realized that, no, he couldn't stand at all. Like he'd completely lost that ability. So he had to carry this 130 pound dog or whatever he is to the car and carry him into the house. And he promptly texted me and was like, 
what do I do? Can you come help? And I was unfortunately out of town, but I gave him some techniques that he could do that he did, that he said did help Toby to walk a little bit over the weekend. And then when I got back on Monday, I went over there and massaged him. I did the full massage on him. And by the time, you know, he was definitely, he's an old dog. He has a hard time getting up and down regardless of how many massages you're going to do. But coming in and doing it helped release whatever problem was caused at the groomer. And Toby was then able to get up and down and walk on his own after that. So our friend said that I saved Toby's life because he was convinced that this was the end. And if Toby wasn't able to walk again, they were going to have to put him down because he was too big of a dog to cart around everywhere. So that was like, like he nearly made me burst into tears telling me that I saved Toby's life. But that's amazing with just a little bit of massage, you know, that we can keep these dogs moving and happy and healthy and all those good things. Well, and it's so unique too, because I mean, like you said, a lot of people haven't heard of this. I hadn't heard of it till I met you, but it's just such another alternative. And I feel a lot of dog owners are going more the holistic route or just like, what could we do instead of like medications or just all these things? And you just hear all these horror stories that just break your heart. And we need more people like you. And I can't wait to take Ruby. I'm so excited to take her. But <laughs> just how great that is and how much good work you're doing. Thank you. And it, uh, pet massage is designed to be supplemental care. It's not in place of any veterinary care. It works in conjunction with it. But doing regular massage can help reduce the medication that dogs are on. It can help eliminate some of them altogether, depending on what they are. And it certainly speeds up any you know healing that's going on or slows down the arthritis, like I mentioned before. So the massage really can make a huge difference in a dog's life. And it costs money to do it. But the alternative is, is that they would not be on these medications that shut down their organs over time. To me, it's a, a no brainer to do the massage rather than the medication in a lot of these instances. Right. No, it makes sense to me. Now, what do you have in store in the future for Radiant Paws? What exciting things are going on in your world for the business? I am all kinds of exciting things. I had doubled my business in 2022. So my goal is to double it again in 23, which is very doable. Working, I have a really good friend who's a photographer in the area that she's Christine O'Brien. She's rough life photography. And she does all kinds of amazing events throughout the year. So we're going to partner up on some of these so that I can do massage and she can take pictures of the dogs. You know, we can do like a little pamper your dog kind of day. And we've got a couple of dog shows that we're going to go to and kind of do the same thing. And I'm working on a couple of different books for what I do. As you know, I started writing one that was basically about the dog massage itself and how beneficial it is for dogs and how working with dogs has really made my life so much better. Like I have anxiety and depression issues, but every time I work with a dog, I feel better. And so I'm writing a book about that and about how you can enhance your relationship with your own dog by working together, working on you and working on your dog, how you can both of you live better, healthier lives. I started writing this book and then my dog passed away and <laughs> was not feeling the happy zen that I was trying to write about. So I'm now working on a second book, which might be the one that I'm going to focus on in 23, about the grieving process and how to get through it with your dogs, you know, and how valid it is. You know, it's not just your dog you lost, it's part of your family. So, you know, how it's okay to grieve in different ways that are going to hopefully work for me and, you know, share that with other people about how to get through it. So that's going on for 2023 as well. 
And then I finally just joined TikTok. So I got to explore that and see what I can do. <laughs> I want to try and you know start filming some of these dog sessions and put them on there because people tell me all the time that just watching me massage a dog is very relaxing. So <laughs> hopefully that'll Listen, be good. <laughs> it's great. No, the ones you've posted have performed well too. So I'm excited when this episode comes out because maybe you have even more followers and maybe you have one that goes viral. So yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So all kinds of good things for next year. All great things. And I mean, on your topic of grief, I mean, it's so interesting because when I remember, I mean, I was in high school, so this was a while ago, but I remember losing our childhood dog and how traumatizing that was. And it was like the first dog we lost and writing was the only thing that like seemed to help. So I love that you found this in writing and nobody does really talk about how devastating it is to lose a dog. And a lot of people are so dismissive of it too. Like, oh, it's just a dog. And it's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I like my dog better than I like you. So <laughs> <laughs> I like dogs more than most humans. Correct. Exactly. Now, as we finish up, Jill, I always like to ask, what advice do you have for listeners? The question is broad, so you can take it how you want. But what advice would you have to anyone listening to this podcast right now? I would say, okay, I have been raised my whole life to believe that work is a four-letter word, and it's just something that we endure in order to pay for the things that we really want to do. And I have found out that that is complete and utter BS. (laughs) I I don't know what you say on your podcast. Okay, good. It's complete and utter bullshit, right? So my advice would be to people is to take whatever it is you're passionate about and figure out a way to make that as your job. Because it doesn't matter how crazy it is. I can't tell you how many people that I say, I do dog massage. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? Who does that? And who would pay for that? Like, well, you know what? There are plenty of crazy dog lovers out there that will pay for it regularly and understand the benefits of it. So no matter how crazy or out there the idea is, if you're passionate about it, go ahead and do it because there's a good chance that not many other people are doing it. So therefore, you got a whole market to explore that, you know, you could be the next big thing because you followed your passion. So I would just advise anybody, don't be afraid to just try it, no matter how out there it is. (laughs) This has been so much fun. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. I'm so excited. So we'll do an update episode after Ruby has a her massage, but I'm excited. And (laughs) for those of you listening, if you want to follow Jill on TikTok, get a massage yourself. If you're in the Metro Detroit area, all the links are in our show notes here and reach out to Jill and especially as these books come out. One other thing I should mention, if it's okay, is where I do these sessions. If you live within 20 minutes of Ferndale, I will go to your house to do sessions. If that's not an option or you live further than that, I do them out of my house, which is in Ferndale, or I can do them out of Paws Around Motown, which is in Clawson, or City Bark in downtown Detroit. So there's a lot of options for where to do the sessions. <laughs> Amazing. I didn't even yeah. know that. So yeah. you have options, people. So do it. That's so right. Do it. Yeah. Treat your little pups. Come on. Exactly. They deserve it. <laughs> They do deserve it. Well, Jill, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so much fun. This was great. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone. But here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.